Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. It's good to be back with you again after taking a week off. We are halfway through our sermon series on transition, we're calling it flux. And uh, so today we're going to talk about fear and transition. But before we get to that, let me read the passage that we'll be focusing on today. I'm going to read another passage later on in the midst of the sermon, but let's start off first with the book of Acts. And this is going to be chapter 4 and verses 23 through 31. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So in the very beginning days of Urban Village, I think right around the time we were going to start worshiping, so this would have been March or February or March of 2010, um, the my church planting partner Trey Hall had read about, and I can't remember if he had done this too in his own ministry. Some churches that would go out in the streets and offer ashes to people on Ash Wednesday. Of course, now this is a tried and true ministry that we do at Urban Village, and it is just many other churches do this too. But at the time, I didn't know a whole lot about it. And as Trey explained it to me, we used to go out into the public, stand on the street corner, and essentially offer ashes to people. Now, my, if I must <clears throat> be honest, my first reaction was not uh, favorable. I was still trying my best to get out a little bit of my introversion and to be out on a street corner and offer this to folks just seemed too far for me. Now, this was a time of real transition from my own ministry. I had been a pastor of two established churches and felt like I served them well. So I've been doing that for 11 years. But of course, when you do church planting, or at least when I did it anyway, I was really st- stretching myself. So in a sense, in my vocation, I was going through transition from doing ministry one way, and not that I was totally abandoning that type of ministry, but I was certainly shifting and stretching and doing uh, what God was calling me to do in, in new ways. But to me, this was just too much. It, I was, To be honest, I was too scared to do it. And so I remember distinctly calling Trey one day and said, you know what, this might be something that just you do. I think this is just too far out of my comfort zone. So in this sermon series that we talk about or are in the midst of, about transition and flux, we have talked about grief. That was the first Sunday when we talked about the 
understanding and, and noting the, the grief that we feel whenever there's going to be change or transition or loss. Last week, if you got a chance to listen to some of the other sermons, we talked about hope. And when we get to a point where, not that the grief maybe has totally left us, but we think about what might be when we think about the new thing in front of us. And so perhaps there are some feelings of hope that stir within us. And so hope can be a really wonderful thing, but then when you actually get to the point where you're making the change or you're actually going through the transition and you actually have to do something, take that first step, another emotion might come crashing down on you, and that is, understandably, fear. You can hope all day, but hope is one thing, and actually doing it sometimes can be another. So we may go back and forth between hope and fear, actually doing the thing that we may feel like we are called to do or circumstances may be forcing us to. So that's what we want to focus on today. As I noted, we want to talk about what happens when this fear comes upon us, when we are in the midst of this transition and the mystery of the future and the not knowing what's next and that fear can take control of us. And we may be so tempted just to either go back to the way things were or hold ourselves off somewhere and not want to face the world. Well, before I talk about the passage that I read, I want to back up just a little bit to the beginning of Acts 4. So you may know Acts is really stories of the early church, and Acts 2 is the story of Pentecost in the church when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit into the first followers of Jesus. An amazing transformation was happening, and people were beginning to gather together in small communities of faith, and they were living out what it meant to actually have the Holy Spirit in their lives, and amazing things were happening. But it was not always easy. There was conflict. And if we back up to the beginning of Acts 4, we'll read that some religious authorities called the Sadducees were not happy what was happening and the things that some of the disciples were doing. In this case, it was Peter and John. They were speaking to the people. Uh, They were doing healing and preaching and the religious authorities uh, weren't thrilled. In fact, the text tells us they were, quote, much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. That's in chapter 4, verse 2. So the authorities have them arrested. That's verse 3. And we read that even though they are arrested, that many people are still hearing the word about Jesus and they are believing. And now the text tells us they number about 5,000. So Peter and John are brought before these authorities and they ask them questions. By what power do you do this? Essentially, as I read it, who are you guys? And what are you talking about? This makes no sense to us. And so this could be, understandably, a time of real fear. This is a, a transition for Peter and John. So what do they do? The text acts sometimes uh, often will be engaged of real stories of uh, spiritual heroism. And so Acts tells us in verses 8 through 12, Peter and John testify about the name of Jesus and the power that Jesus has on their own lives and in the lives of others. So remarkable bravery here that Peter and John show uh, when they are speaking in front of these authorities. Verses 13 through 17, the authorities are kind of flummoxed by this. They talk to one another. What are we going to do about this? And they decide, well, let's give them a stern warning. Maybe that will stop them. Verse 18 says, they they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John, once again, are spiritual heroes in verses 19 and 20. Essentially, they tell the authorities, no way. We're going to keep doing this. 
Verse 21, authorities, again, threaten them. Don't do it. Shaking their fingers at them. And then they let them go. So that's what brings us to our passage that we read today. This thread is hanging over them. So what do they do? Peter and John, and they gather together with other believers. What do they do? Are they afraid that there are these threats placed on them, that they might be arrested one more time? Well, the first thing that they do, we read in the text, is that they pray this amazing prayer. And at the end of our passage today, there appears to be a happy ending. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Sometimes Acts can be an inspirational text for me. Sometimes when people talk to me about church planting and they say, well, what are the books I should be reading? And I sometimes, and I tell them, in addition to some of these other books that I've found helpful, I say, read the book of Acts. It's a really amazing testimony about starting new things and using the Holy Spirit to help you do things that you didn't think were possible. So there are lots of stories throughout this book, including this one today. And on the one hand, this can be really inspirational. If we need something to read to give us the courage to overcome any fear that we might be having when facing transition, we can read stories like this and say, look at this prayer that they prayed. These people who were faced with challenges and with conflict, with the threat of arrest, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were able to speak the word of God with boldness. The end. And we can all close our Bibles and go on with our lives. We can say Peter is a, is a model for us, and he is. But if we know anything about the scriptures, we know that this is not the full story about who Peter is. We can walk back a little bit in Matthew 14, for example. You may know this story. So this is Matthew 14, verses 26 through 30. It says, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. So this is Peter too. It's not just the brave Peter who's standing in front of opposition and is able to say all these amazing things and, and pray this amazing prayer. Peter also is one who earlier in his walk with Jesus was afraid and didn't know quite what to do when the waves started to get higher and become stronger around him. So what do we learn from Peter? What do we learn from Peter when we think about transitions in our own lives and the flux of things that are happening around us and when conflict might arise and the mystery of what is before us and there might be little instances of hope and yet we don't know what to do because we're afraid. We may not be up to the task. We're afraid of what other people might think. We're afraid of conflict that may come about. We're afraid of loss. Well, I think there's a couple things we can take from Peter here. And one of the first things is that it's okay to be afraid. If we only looked, I think, at the book of Acts today, there's not a whole lot of fear here in this passage, though we can look throughout other passages in Acts and see instances perhaps of people who are afraid. But notice in this passage from Matthew that I read, <clears throat> the disciples are afraid. They were terrified, the text tells us. They think it's a ghost. 
They cry out in fear. What's the first thing that Jesus says? The text tells us immediately, immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Sometimes in our faith, we might think to ourselves, Well, if I, if I, if I am afraid, that must mean that I don't have any faith. But we have plenty of examples throughout the scriptures of people who were afraid. And Jesus here perhaps gets a sense of that. He says immediately, take heart. Do not be afraid. Being afraid isn't a bad thing. It happens a lot to our heroes in the faith, to all of us. I once, I've once i read throughout, I've read it in books and I've seen it sometimes on the internet, people saying that the phrase, do not be afraid, shows up 365 times in the Bible as a way perhaps to say to us, that's a really wonderful verse to have in our own minds. I've done a little bit of research. I don't think that's quite true. Uh, In my own searching, I came up with, do not be afraid, comes up 67 times in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, but still, that's a lot. It tells us that time and again, people are afraid. So when we feel afraid in our own faith lives, it's okay. You are not faithless. You're human, and many others have been before you. So what do we do? Well, you know, it might seem like a cliche. People might say in our faith lives, well, what do I do about this? What about this fear that I'm having or this anxiety that I'm feeling? And you might say, well, someone might, well-meaning person say, let's just pray about it. And you might think, well, yeah, I know that, but what else can we do? And I think either we gloss over prayer, or we don't take prayer seriously enough. Notice two types of prayer that I've talked about here today. First, of course, there's this really phenomenal prayer in Acts. All these followers of Jesus pray this prayer that we read in the passage, deeply rooted in a belief about God's care over creation and a plan for restoration. And they call out, and they know the power of the Spirit. They know that the Spirit can give them what needs to happen in order for them to speak God's word with all boldness and so that the Spirit's signs and wonders can continue. So on the one hand, this prayer is one that we can call on. But I also know that there are those who are intimidated by prayer and you might think to yourself, I can't pray that prayer. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't have those words. I wouldn't have that scripture right before me. Well, Look at Peter's other prayer, the one that he first said when he was frightened in Matthew 14. Three words, Lord, save me. When Peter was most afraid, all he could do was just cry out to God, Lord, save me. And I believe that that is also speaking the word with boldness. There was a book that came out a few years ago, one of my favorite spiritual writers named Anne Lamott. And the name of the book is Help Thanks Wow. Three simple prayers that she says that everybody should just have at the ready. Help, thanks, wow. To call out to God when we need help, to be filled with gratitude, and to be in awe. Simple, but each of these are bold and they are powerful. You know, when we think about prayer in our own lives and we say prayers, you know, before dinner or at another time too, and that's a good thing to do. But I sometimes wonder if we don't realize that the power of prayer and what the, that kind of power can have on our own lives. And I think we need to reflect on that and not just when we say, well, just pray about it. I think we need to be thinking about the power that prayer can have in our own lives. So are our prayers too timid? Do we not engage in prayer because we think it won't do any good? 
I think whether you say a prayer that is beautiful like this Acts 14 or yeah, Acts 4 prayer or this Matthew 14 prayer, whether it's just one word or many, whether you're quoting from scripture or you're just calling out from your own heart, I think both of these passages can tell us there is boldness when we call out to God. And I think that boldness can help us overcome the fear of the unknown, the fear of the conflict, the fear that we might look foolish whenever we do a new thing. I was reading, I just uh, finished a really wonderful book called Faith-Rooted Organizing. It's about uh, how we base our our lives. If those of us who are interested in, in community organizing as a way to do ministry... And this one chapter is talking about how we can be creative uh, in our organizing. And there was a passage uh, or a couple pages in there about singing. And it tells the story of Charles Sherrod, Charlie Sherrod, who was a, a pastor and activist in the civil rights movement in the 1960s. Reverend Sherrod tells this story about how he was arrested uh, for protesting, nonviolent protesting in South Carolina. And he got assigned to what he called as a chain gang. And in the book, he tells the story. He said, we're making pipes, concrete pipes with machines. And he said, you've got to, you go in and put your hand on the machine to guide the pipe, he said, and to stoop the pipe. But then sometimes you had to put your hands on metal. And sometimes the prison guards would take away the circuitry and that would cause shock. So whenever they would handle metal from these pipes, they'd be shocked. So you can imagine how both painful and hard this would be, all for something that they believed in, this work for justice. And so I can imagine, or I can't imagine, but all of the different emotions they must have been feeling. Fear, frustration, anger. So what did they do? And not only that, when they were on the chain gang and the prison guards were calling them the N-word and telling them to get on with it, calling them lazy, and so they'd go back to the dorms. And what would they do every night? Would they say and give up and say, I can't do this. I'm afraid of what they're going to do to us next. I don't know what's going to happen to us in the future. They prayed, but they prayed in song. Reverend Sherrod said we would go back to the dorm every night and we'd sing. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around, turn me around, turn me around. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. Keep on walking, keep on talking. Marching up to freedom land. And they would sing that prayer over and over and over again. And it made the jailers angry. And they would tell them to stop that GD singing. So he'd put them in the hole, kind of solitary confinement. Except there'd be 13 of these people in this hole with two bunks, three mattresses. They'd three days on bread and water. They'd let them out. They'd come back to the table. They'd keep on singing, keep on praying. That was the thing that would give them the courage to keep on going. And they'd get thrown back into the hole again. This time they wouldn't even eat. They'd go on a hunger strike. And they'd start singing other songs like, We Shall Overcome. And they would keep on singing and singing and singing and praying and praying and praying. This was the thing that helped them overcome their fear and helped them love the movement that they felt so strongly about. You and I may not do something as radical or as bold as being involved in the civil rights movement or be arrested for what we do, but certainly we experience fear when we face uncertainty, when we think about change and transition that is going to be in front of us. And there might be moments of hope, but then when we actually live into that change and transition and we are 
stopped cold in our tracks. What do we do? Can we do it? Are we up for the challenge? And someone might say, well, just pray about it. And we think, oh, what good is that going to do? Friends, it can do a lot. Back when I was told Trey that I wouldn't do the Ash Wednesday uh, ashing, and I was in prayer, and I wasn't praying at first to get courage to do this thing. I had made up my mind, I'm not going to do this. Prayer came about in my normal prayer life. The Spirit spoke to me, and the Spirit said something very poetic. And essentially, the Spirit said to me, get over it yourself. (laughs) Get over yourself. I heard that so clearly. And I realized, oh my goodness. And I called Trey back and said, all right, I'll do it. And the ironic thing, this was Trey's big idea. And so I went out and did it. I'm the one. They, we got quite a bit of media attention that year. And I'm the one who got all the attention, which made me feel bad because Trey was the one who did all these things. But perhaps this is God's sense of humor. And God was with me. This very small thing, my own little somewhat silly fears about doing this. But they were real at the time. And my own prayer life helped me to get over it and to live into it and to face it. When you face uncertainty about what will happen to you, just pray about it, whether that prayer is one word or many, and then know of the power of that prayer. Do not take those prayers lightly. Know of the power of the Spirit that can come upon you so that you might be able to live your life and speak the word with boldness in your own way. I believe this. I believe this so strongly. May we all do so when we face uncertainty. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to this uh, sermon podcast. As always, you can reach out to me, Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org, or you can look at my website, christiancoon.com, to find uh, other podcasts that I do and blog posts that I put up. So, friends, until the next time, uh, may the peace of Christ be with you. I